Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you today from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Absolutely delighted to welcome Catherine Gordier to Grief and Rebirth podcast for the 11th special interview in the Grief and Rebirth podcast Rebirth series. Catherine, who is married to producer Don Carmody, grew up as the eldest of eight siblings and will be speaking to us from Hidden Hills, California. Catherine enjoyed a successful career as an independent sales agent under her company name, Lady Hawk Ventures Inc. for 16 years. And she then transitioned to the film and television industry where she is a second assistant director. Her two favorite gigs have been the rehearsal manager, assistant director for the musical Chicago and writing the screenplay and producing a low budget film entitled Some Things That Stay based on the book by Sarah Willis. Catherine began writing daily in diaries when she was 10 years old. She still contributes to a personal journal and she also writes song lyrics and poems, mostly about lost loves. The sudden and tragic loss of the three biggest loves of her life, her mom, Nita Tupa, her dad, Bill Gordier, and her youngest sister, Julie, compelled Catherine to write her new first book titled Breathe, Cry, Breathe, From Sorrow to Strength in the Aftermath of Sudden Tragic Loss. I'm looking forward to talking with Catherine about her beautifully written memoir that shares her heart-wrenching yet also inspiring journey from profound tragedy and grief to remarkable healing and rebirth. Hey, Catherine, a warm, warm, warm welcome. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be with you here. So let's begin our interview with this question so everyone can kind of get to know you and your background and all. So could you please tell us about that fateful night and also about your dad? Yes, I will. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. My pleasure. Uh, so it was to be a night of celebration my uh, very large family and I were gathering for a surprise birthday party at my brother's house. It was a surprise horror themed birthday party for our youngest sister, Julie. Um, Literally, I was putting the last dabs of blood down my sister's neck. We were, most of us were dressed as zombies when the phone rang and um, we learned that my mother had been hit by a car. So you can imagine all being excited for this happy evening. And then we get that news. Well, my husband and I in our full zombie attire dashed to the accident site only to learn that Julie had been struck as well. 
the ambulances were already gone. We went to the hospital and we found out my mother had passed and that Julie was so severely brain damaged that we had to let her go the next day. Um, several weeks later, my father died from what I believe was a broken heart, sitting in my mother's reading chair with his head on his chest, looking like he was sleeping. So, wow. I, yes. Wow, 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 wow. Tragic, terrible. So how far along were you in your grieving when you saw a Reiki clairvoyant? Because what I love about your story is that you not only went for some traditional healing, but you also went to holistic healers and you got help that way. So um, please share that experience with us and the way it changed your skepticism, your skepticism about psychics, because so many people have a problem like this or mm -hmm. something happens and they don't want to believe in this world and then sudden, which happened to me and suddenly, oh my. So what was your first experience? Well, well, a couple of things. I was so devastated. I was in such pain that I wanted to do anything that would help me heal. Um, and yes, I was skeptic about mediums. So one of the things I did was with 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 the clairvoyant, the Reiki clairvoyant, and with all the mediums, I only said my first name, and sometimes I made a name up, so that I knew they couldn't Google me or find out anything, so that any messages that came through, I knew she couldn't have found any information anywhere. Uh, so this was, it was three, three months after the accident and about six weeks after my dad passed when we were out for dinner with a friend and she had lost her mom suddenly as well. Her mom had been murdered and she had oh gone God. to see, yes, she had gone to see Benita, this Reiki clairvoyant. And I thought if this clairvoyant could help her, then I was definitely going to give it a try. So, um, at, at the at Benita's home, she had an she was in an apartment. She had me lie on a bed, and her hands hovered hovered above my body as she spoke. And one of the things that really got me was again, she doesn't know me, she doesn't know anything. She says, "I see a a, a woman, a young woman." Although she looks young, she looks like she could be a teenager, but I have a feeling she's much older than that. Well, we were celebrating Julie's 40th birthday. So yes, it, she was much younger, but she looked much younger because she was also 87 pounds and four feet 11. So of course I knew that was Julie. And then she said, she said, um, she's trying to speak. She's trying to speak to me, but she, I think she has a speech impediment. She's having trouble speaking. Well, Julie has Down syndrome. And believe me, she could speak to us. <laughs> we could understand her. But perhaps Bonita could not make out what she was saying. So when she said that she had a speech impediment, I'm going, this is Julie. It was and she said, she's, she said, um, she misses you and, and she wants to be with you. And I'm like, oh my God. 
And so the tears started coming out of the corner of my eye, my head's back, pouring down onto the sheet. Then onto another message, completely different. She says, uh, so dear, you have an aunt Joan and she has some serious health issues. Well, how does she know I have an aunt? And how does she know she has, I have an aunt named Joan that has health problems. So from then on, I believed in mediums. It's like- You were sold. You were sold. <laughs> so after your experience with, what was her name? Your Reiki clairvoyant? Her name was- Benita. Benita. So Benita. after your experience with Benita, you continued your healing process by seeing both traditional and alternative therapists and mediums. Would you like to share some of those life-changing experiences with us? Well, um, yes, I became a bit of a, a medium addict because the messages made me feel better. Absolutely. Yes. So, but be besides, besides mediums, I saw um, an NMT practitioner. NMT is neuromodulation technique. And um, I'll have to use her words to better explain what it is. She I said, think it's wonderful because we're going to teach a lot of people here about perhaps a new modality they're not familiar with. So, so, so Deborah says, we all have a system within us, like a biocomputer that controls all aspects of our health, mental, physical, and emotional. Her training in neuromodulation neuromodul technique taught her to speak to my system, and then my system responded to her commands and helped to improve my emotional and health and my responses to the trauma. She also helped heal a chronic shoulder injury. I could not swim for three years. After a couple of sessions with her, I was swimming again all summer. Amazing. After one session, I was singing and sweeping the kitchen floor. Even though I was deeply grieving, this is why I was seeing her. After one session, I felt so much better. I was singing and I loved to sing, but I couldn't sing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so some people call it hocus pocus, but I would say, give it a try. I would also say with mediums, all the mediums that I saw, the messages blew me away. And so I, I highly recommend giving it a try. Being open, you have to be open. Right. Well, you're speaking the, uh, the mission of Grief and Rebirth podcast because I interview mediums and healers and people like you who are so inspiring, who have been through so much and come through it, and also grief and trauma specialists. So my hope is that people who need help listen to these interviews and choose one of these people who resonates with you and get help because there are many different ways to heal. And that's a, a wonderful story. So I do know also that part of your story is that the tragedy and your intense grieving put a bit of a strain on your marriage. And you had some sessions with an alternative therapist and a medium, which converted your resentment to loving forgiveness for your husband, Don. And I love the tender way he found the patience to let you heal. So would you like to talk about that? I mean, we like good men who are so supportive of their wives. <laughs> well, it put a strain on our marriage because he'd never experienced the intense grief like this, intense sadness. So 
he didn't know how to be with this person. I wasn't his wife anymore. I was this sad, depressed being living with him. And so he said a lot of insensitive things, thinking that I should be healed already after three months, for example. Um, So Deborah Frenette, again, the NMT practitioner, she suggested, you know, why don't you forgive him? Because he doesn't understand. He, he didn't, he couldn't understand the pain I was going through. And, uh, and I, and so I agreed, but again, going back to a medium, this was a, a medium, our first session, not knowing even whether I'm married, nothing. And she says, I have a message from your mom. She says, honey, Don and you are good together. Oh my God. Wow. So I'm going, oh my God. She knows that I was possibly thinking of leaving, moving into our family home instead of selling it to be closer to my three siblings that were there, nieces and nephews and my aunt Joan. And here's mom saying, honey, like, forgive him because let it go what how what a wonderful thing yes what a wonderful thing not only that it was it was a beautiful message from your mom because i have a feeling as the oldest sibling you're a big caregiver and you take care of everyone else and your mom was saying to take care of you and and take care of your relationship which was nurturing for you yes and so what happened i i did i did go to kingston for three weeks and when we left, there might have been a little, you know, <laughs> not so Kingston in Canada, not, not Kingston yeah, in, in Toronto. America. Right. Yes. So I left to uh, to go and prepare the house to put on the market. And I was gone for three weeks. And when I came back, I got the biggest, warmest hug from my husband. He said, I love you. I don't want to lose you. And I didn't want to lose him either. And since then, he's been spoiling me rotten and telling me he loves me three times a day. Oh, my God. He's a keeper, but he learned through this experience, too. How marvelous. Yeah. And you, I so admired in your book, which is wonderful, everyone. You really ought to get it and read it. It's a, it's a wonderful, inspiring story, true story. But in your book, you talk about which very few people would do, Catherine, your incredibly kind gesture to help ease the pain of the woman who killed your mother and sister. And you also had a chance to get a crosswalk at the accident site and you raised awareness about the dangers of the elderly driving. Would you like to tell us anything about either of any of those? They were all such great ways to move through your grief, but that gesture was so so, spiritually aware. The, the, the woman uh, driver was 85 years old. Actually, she was seven weeks away from turning 85. And I had learned from meeting uh, a family friend of theirs at our local bar that her children had asked her to give up her keys. And she had said, I'll stop driving when I'm 85, which was seven weeks too late to save my family. But it was an accident. It was a tragic accident. 
killing two people. Was it her fault? Perhaps it was. Perhaps a younger driver would have seen three people crossing the road. Perhaps a younger driver would have reacted quicker and swerved or hit the brakes. Whatever, it, it was an accident. Also, despite how busy the road had gotten over the years, um, my parents continued to walk across the street to go to church. Our church was directly across the street from our home. For 42 years, they walked safely across the street. But perhaps they were in their 70s. They also misjudged the speed of the car coming or misjudged that this car was not going to stop. The sad thing is, too, they were struck steps, mere steps from, from the end of their driveway. In any case, I knew the woman was suffering as well. So I bought her a card um, and I wrote inside, we know it was an accident, a tragic accident. And we're trying to focus on our loving memories. I'm wishing you sunny days ahead or something to that effect. And I also know that if that woman had come out while I ran up and popped that card into her mailbox, and we both would have cried and I would have hugged the woman that killed them. Wow. That is such an amazing story. Were your siblings all behind you when you sent that note? Were some of them still angry or did they think that was a, a great thing to do? I didn't tell them I was doing oh, wow. it. I don't think, I don't remember actually. I, I mean, that was an amazing. It was one of my last days in the house, and uh, I I drove to the dollar store and I got the card and I wrote the note and I remember being nervous uh, going to this woman's house and I just thought I just I wanted to forgive her. Oh, that was such so wonderful. In your book, also, you talk about, which I found really um, enlightening, that there are five identities of grievers. So would you like to go through that and tell us which you think you are? You may feel okay. a few of those, right? Yes. So I don't know what I was Googling that day, but uh, for some reason, Dr. Susan Berger's five types of grievers came up on the internet. So this is not what I wrote. So, well, but this is so helpful for people listening yes. to our podcast, yes. Catherine, because many of them are grieving yes. and they choose different ways to heal. So what does she talk about? That's so one of her types is called a nomad. They're in denial and they run from their grief. An example, I have a friend of mine who lost her husband suddenly a few years ago, and she's been traveling ever since. She read my book about three months ago and told me, you know, I haven't dealt with my grief yet. So nomads try to deny it. Um, a, another type is a seeker. They incorporate religion and spirituality into their lives to help them deal with their grief. Uh, number three, a normalizer focuses on recreating a sense of family. For example, if you lost a child, you may want to spend more time with a niece or nephew or your neighbor's child to try to fill the void. A memorialist is another one. 
and they are committed to keeping their loved one alive. Um, and for me, that was doing fundraisers, but other people can do a, you do a walkathon or a, a run in memory of your loved one. And then her, Dr. Berger's final one is an activist. An activist takes the focus off their own grief by helping others, usually by getting involved with an organization within their own community, something related to their loved one. And that's exactly what I have done. I have become heavily involved with Julie's uh, Special Olympics community. I've hosted uh, seven fundraisers in her memory and um, also an activist, you know, doing things like raising raising awareness about possibly uh, in the car driver's tests for elderly seniors instead of just a written test and the vision test. You know, you want to tell us a little more about that. That's such a wonderful, and I loved reading about it in your book, that Special Olympics fundraiser that you created in Julie's memory. And maybe some of the people in our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience can relate to it and would like to donate to it. So you want to like tell a little, tell us a little more and tell them where they can make a donation? Well, it's such a worthy cause. Yes, for, but one thing, um, well, Special Olympics is worldwide. I cannot remember how many countries it's in the, it's in my book, I mentioned it. <laughs> but um, one thing that people maybe don't know is that Special Olympics runs all year. Um, and so a lot of communities and, and most communities, they have to raise their own money. Each chapter has to raise their own money. Uh, and so you can imagine how expensive it is for new basketballs. And, everything, <laughs> and it's like a worldwide thing. I mean, like you have it all over the world. People have it, but it's each community does their own separate thing. Yes. yes. So I, so that's why I chose to help Julie's community because I've, I've met, I've met her friends. I call them her friends, her, her fellow athletes. So if anyone wants to make a donation, where should they go to do that? To support you and say, hey, I heard you on the podcast and, and I would like to contribute to the worthy cause in honor of your sister. Where, where should well, they come I, I have, um, I have all the links on my website, katherinegordier.com, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-G-O-U-R-D-I-E-R.com. The uh, special, all the links for the healers as well. Um, but the, the, the Special Olympics link that I do have is for Special Olympics Ontario Kingston. But as I said, you can Google and, and find the Special Olympics uh, in, in your neighborhood. And yes, and, and yes. To any of you who are listening to this interview, by the way, and if you really relate to this, please let Catherine know that, you know, you were moved by this and you made a donation, even if it's to a Special Olympics in... I don't know, uh, Ohio or whatever, um, you know, that you were inspired to do that. I think that's a wonderful. Yes. Um, in memory of Julie. In memory yes, of but, Julie. But also with, with the fundraisers, it doesn't have to be a big fancy, you know, 350 people, fancy dinner um, event of which I did one of those. 
but I also did house parties. One house party I did, I raised, I think it was $2,300, $2,600. And it afforded the teams to be able to get uh, new uniforms for, for when they travel. They have jackets and pants that they wear. And, and um, they put um, in memory of Julie with a heart on the back. That's beautiful. Jacket. That's so yes. beautiful. Yes. Wow. And you had another wonderful story you talk about that really touched me in your book about a person you called Dancer. Would yes. you like to tell us about that? It's such a moving story. Well, um, my sister Julie saved five people's lives and gave the gift of sight to two others. So around, uh, it was shortly after the one year anniversary of the accident, we received a letter in the mail from Julie's double lung recipient. And um, I learned that she had cystic fibrosis and had spent most of her life in and out of hospital. And I, I only assumed it was a her be just because of the way she was writing the letter, because in Canada, I think in the US, you are allowed to meet your recipients, that donors and recipients, families are allowed to meet. But in Canada, you're not allowed to. So when, um, yes, so her letter, her letter was an eloquent, heartfelt thank you to my family. And I was so touched to receive it. I wrote her back. And then the next year she wrote again. And I found out that my sister's lungs, with my sister's lungs, she could now dance and not only dance of which she loved, she could also teach dance again. Oh my. So again, this was something else why I called my, ther my therapies al alternate or alternative is because this writing letters and receiving letters from her um, made me feel good. And so I called her, that's when I started to call her dancer. I didn't, I didn't want to keep writing, dear recipient. <laughs> so, <laughs> you so never I had to know her real name or, or, you, or you did. You're not, allowed, you're not allowed to know their real name. That's a beautiful story, though, to think about how your sister, through your tragedy, so many people, their lives were improved. That's so so I, would, I would just like to say that donating your loved one's organs are definitely not going to be your top of mind as you're sitting at their bedside watching them die. So I would strongly suggest, you know, you know, registering for organ donation now and, and even have your children register for organ donation. My, my father had to look me in the eye and say, what should I do? The, the organ, the Trillium Gift of Life came to us in the hospital and there was my father like reading these documents, he goes, you know, what should I do? So don't, don't leave that to your parents to do. Right. I think that's wonderful. And um, when we talk about your healing story, do you have a message based on your healing story about the importance of healing and rebirth to share with our grief and rebirth podcast audience? Well, <laughs> I would just say some people that are grieving, they're so devastated, they maybe sit on the sofa all day and in their sweats and they don't go out and they do this for weeks or months. 
but why should anyone live this way? Your family doesn't want to see you like this. Your friends don't want to see you like this. It's it's hard for them. And your and deceased loved one on the other side doesn't want to see you go through this either. Exactly. And you know, there are there you can get help. Even even a little thing as your girlfriend's inviting you out for a drink. Don't say no, say yes, Susan. I would love to go for a drink. Thank you for getting me out of the house. I, I would say, try, try healing alternatives. Try anything until, until you feel better and you just might find you'll be a better version of yourself. I had never done so much fundraising in my life. So it's, I'm contributing something good to the world. From deep within, do you feel that you're now a better version of yourself, Catherine? Yes, absolutely. I feel that way after the loss of my husband. Also, I with everything that I've been through, I, I it's it's amazing, it's gratifying, it's a blessing. Um, now we told your website once, but let's tell it again in case anyone wants to get a hold of you. Uh, it is um, C A T H E R I N E. G-O-U-R-D-I-E-R dot com, right? Yes. Okay, everyone. And what is Catherine's tip for finding joy in life? Oh, well, it's, it, it's different for everyone. So I can only speak for me and re- relating to, to our discussion today. Um, if you have not attended a special Olympics event, I strongly suggest you do so to see the joy in their faces. Like just, they don't care if they win or lose. Maybe they do. Maybe they would like to get that trophy, but they just have so much fun. And, and other, like for me, a simple joy is a glass of wine and a bowl of chips sitting on the dock by the lake with my husband and just looking out over the water and at the clouds above. And that's, that's joy. You just, you just described being grateful for your present moment and, and having love in your life. I think that's beautiful. That's just wonderful. Catherine, your memoir is so beautifully written. You, you're such a wonderful writer. And it helps its readers to realize that the intense challenges of grief can be healed and lead to remarkable healing and rebirth filled with authenticity, optimism, and love, which you definitely have lots of. Thank you for opening your heart and sharing your incredible story with all of us. And I thank you from my heart for this really touching, very special interview with special you. And thank here's you. a reminder. Oh, you're so welcome. And here's a re- and you're, we're going to help so many people listening to our, to our interview. I think, I believe so. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irenweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and especially on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe Hit notify so you'll get all the inspiring and insightful new interviews like this one with Catherine coming your way. And if you'd like to be a part 
of this wonderful rebirth series, series, which is so inspiring to so many people, please send us an email to hello at ireneweinberg.com. As I like to say, to be continued, many <laughs> blessings and bye for now. Mm -hmm.